0: this. could be a great intro. Hi, I'm Akshay. Hi, this is Saurabh. And you are listening to the Founder Thesis Podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country. And we want to learn how to build a unicorn.
1: Hi, I'm Anshuban Singh. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders at Scalar Academy.
0: Everybody knows the reason why a company like Facebook slash Meta is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. And the reason for that is that it has cracked engagement. It knows how to keep users engaged and increase the amount of time they spend on their various platforms. Even though that engagement has a dark side to it, things like hate speech are outcomes of that engagement. Now, imagine if you took this superpower of engagement and used it for something like education. Imagine building a platform which keeps students engaged and therefore delivers better learning outcomes. And this is exactly what Scalar Academy has done. Founded by an ex-Facebook product leader, Anshuman Singh, Scalar Academy started life as an interview coaching platform. And then through a number of insights which Anshuman had while trying to solve the basic problem of improving talent quality in India, they ended up with what today is like an online version of Stanford. Something which gives the highest quality of education at affordable prices to thousands of students. Scalar Academy has proved outcomes with their students getting significantly better job opportunities after completing courses in software engineering and data science with Scalar. Here's Anshuman talking about his fascinating journey, starting with how he got into Facebook. How did you get into Facebook? And uh, I mean, so I mean, you're not from like a IIT, like those typical hunting grounds for f- Facebook and Google kind of companies. Uh, how did you get in?
1: So uh, back in those days, uh, Facebook or Google mostly wouldn't hire from India for their US office. Uh, so it was very unconventional. This is back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, in fact, like recession had had just gotten over. Um, but what uh, and and this is by the way just by chance. I I used to as I said like I used to like solving really hard problems. And and one of the places where I got to solve very hard problems was these. Uh, programming competitions that would happen all over the world the yeah, so called uh, hackathons yeah uh, it wasn't called hackathon back then <laughs> today the, the the more popular term is hackathon but these contests um, and and one of them was called ACM ICPC which was um, which is a, like almost a 40 year old uh, contest framework uh, it's 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 termed as the olympics of uh, competitive programming Um, every single college in the world sort of participates in that so there um, I was again very fortunate to win on India level and uh, hence got to represent India in the world finals where they invite top 100 teams from the world Um, so I did that twice I I did that in my uh, third year and then once in my fourth year so in then I went um, the fourth year thing happened in uh, Harbin China which is which is a freezing place. We we in fact <laughs> we in fact built out an ice city there. Um, so there I met a few recruiters from from Google and Facebook, uh, both from from their headquarters. Um, they were not supposed to be there, but they were just uh, gate crashing the party. And, <laughs> and they, they, there they invited me to interview with uh, Facebook and Google. Obviously, I being the kid I was, I was very very excited. I took up those opportunities and uh, ended up doing well in the interviews and hence got the offer. You got from both is it like Yeah yeah uh, Google Mountain View and and Facebook in in uh, Palo Alto both If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. So, why did you choose Facebook over Google? Uh so my parents did not want me to go to uh, Facebook they they wanted me to go to Google given it was a more established company by then
0: and um, everyone had heard of Google like
1: yeah yeah, it, yeah. it's a uh, verb basically
0: mm.
1: exactly uh and uh, Facebook at that point of time was a very high risk company because in India orkut had launched and orkut had not done well um so so there was a, this apprehension as well like you'd go to facebook but then facebook would crash and then you'll you'll be left stranded in the u.s um <laughs> but uh but uh, i mean when i talked to people people who were far more senior to me and i considered them to be my mentors of sorts uh few things became clearer one was um Facebook was not such a large company where it would be difficult for me to make impact. Given I liked problem solving, I like to make impact. Uh, It was the right uh, scale where I could go and join teams and actually make build things that that would go out to the audience for them to use at scale. Uh, The second thing that uh, again came out was that, look, Google is already a very large company. The probability that Google becomes 10x of what it is 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 relatively very low it has become 10x but it is relatively low however uh, facebook is a very small company right now for the kind of company it is and while there is a high risk that it might go down there is also a very um, the other side where it can become massively massively huge and uh, people in silicon valley keep looking for companies like these if you can if you're in your life at one company that has made it big then you're sorted for life for, from from a financial standpoint um, and then that's uh, an opportunity not everybody gets. So uh, when I had those conversations again, I mean, I was still out of college. I did not know much about life, but like some of those arguments made a lot of sense to me. So, um, I ended up saying no to Google, um, and, and ended up joining Facebook. No, I mean, it was to be honest, like it's a decision that I still, uh, like, to this one if i were to go back and and take this decision again i would like in a heartbeat i would still choose facebook oh, was facebook
0: uh, uh like uh, you know initially they had that only uh, and dot edu id would let you sign up so had it grown beyond that dot edu stage like was it uh- open to everyone. And like,
1: what was Facebook like when you joined it? Uh, So Facebook had grown beyond that stage. Facebook was uh, in that stage where they were uh, expanding massively internationally. In fact, uh, they were about to launch in India. and and i remember the first video that i saw so before they would even launch in india there was this video that had gotten viral uh, which was uh, which was just like how uh, facebook is because has become so addictive etc and i looked at the video and i was like this is awkward why why is there another company called facebook doing exactly what our is doing but then later on i mean once i went into details of it then i could i could i could make sense uh, why facebook has succeeded where awkward has failed tell me that like why why what is the difference i think that? the primary the, the primary reason were two one um one the news feed news feed was to be honest uh, a, a major uh, winning point for facebook um, it, it made consumption and uh, engagement really really high um, the second thing that actually uh, uh, that, that stood out for facebook was their growth team so uh growth team as, as such does not make sense, but Facebook had this uh, growth team which would, which would take up these problem statements and come up with very innovative solutions and that would be state of art. For example, um, Facebook had this very small widget on the side where it, it would say that people you may know. This would encourage people to keep adding more and more friends and the wider your social network, the more posts you would see. The one thing that Orkut actually did not do really well was helping people expand their network. And and that team was, again, a, a game changer, like people you may know was a game changer, because now you did not have people with just 10 friends or 20 friends. Everybody had like hundreds of friends, and hence you had a lot of content to consume. So those two were major uh, differentiators back then, and a bunch of things happened after that. Was it a
0: culture shock for you to come to US from oh, India, yes.
1: like
0: small town yeah, yeah. uh, India
1: to US? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, multiple things. One is uh, uh, you were adjusting to this uh, new place. Uh, the accent was very different. Um, it is one thing to to ha- like listen to that accent in movies and TV shows. And the other is like there's a person right in front of you uh, talking really fast in that accent. And then you have to uh, make sense of it. I remember this one incident, um, uh, I was I, so essentially when you go there, you you can't actually commute uh, using trains, etc. You actually have to get a car. So I, I remember we had rented a car and uh, we were going somewhere, um, our headlights were not on, so we were pulled uh, to the side by this cop. Uh, now, when you pulled to the side by the cob, you're already very, very scared. And this this person comes to the window and starts saying something really fast. <laughs> I couldn't make <laughs> I, I couldn't make sense of it, and I, I said I said I'm sorry. Can you please repeat? He again said the same thing really, really fast. I again <laughs> I I again uh, asked him please Can you repeat? And then the third time, he got really irritated, and he said the same thing in a very, very angry tone. Again, I couldn't make sense of it, but because I I did not want to say that, please repeat, I I just randomly said yes. (laughs) (laughs) He went to his car and he wrote a ticket and then he gave me a ticket. Later on, I figured out like uh, he was asking me whether I was aware I was speeding and whether I was aware um, I had my headlights on. And since I did not understand him, I ended up saying yes. I mean, so so there are those kind of incidents that happened, things that you you look back to now and then you can laugh at it. But um, the other thing is like uh, uh, U.S. is also one place where like unlike India, you don't have household help. Um, you have to do your cleaning. You have to cook food, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I was like I I'm, it's a bad thing about me. I've never cooked for myself in my life. Uh, uh, never been a person who's been um, great at maintaining homes either so uh, so those things also you know like uh, <laughs> come into the picture um you start missing indian food uh that comes into the picture um uh, i ate a lot of bland food i mean to be honest um the food in in us and europe both is very very bland as compared to indian food And it takes a while to get used to it. So. So while Facebook had free food inside the campus, I, I remember we would we would eat once in Facebook, and then we would go figure out an Indian restaurant. We would go to that restaurant, we <laughs> would eat, and then come back home. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in like
0: very very small towns. Uh, I'm sure you wouldn't have been very fluent in English, you know, in terms of yeah. your communication skills and all. So how did you navigate that? I mean, today when I speak to you, you're obviously very articulate and fluent. But I'm sure growing
1: up that would not have been the case right right actually so uh, that came with um, the initial anxiety of fitting in um so i i remember like uh, when i was in college i i whenever i would try to attempt speaking english i would speak really fast and that happens you know like when you have a bunch of things in your mind um you just want to blurt it out so you instead of focusing on whether the other person is able to understand me you just just like you find the right words and you just mix it and you blurt it out that's the first thing that happened to me in the u.s the moment i would say things really fast people would give me a very puzzled look and, (laughs) and then it would become really clear that i'm making no sense to them in india people would still understand because my accent and and that combined would still make sense to them there people would not understand me at all so hence uh the first exercise that i did was i i would like consciously t- think about things talk about them in a tone which people would be able to understand um not the accent but just the pace of of talking uh, it was it, it was it took some time but then eventually i got got used to it plus the thing is like silicon valley like where i was it's a it's a place where you can find all kinds of people it's just a melting pot of you have people from asian uh descent you have people from europe you have people from from africa you have people from u.s uh, when you talk to different people with very different accent then you start to empathize that look i mean the same way i am finding to it hard to understand their accent they find my accent also hard to understand so i have to make that extra effort to make sure i break it down i slow it down so that they can understand those words even if maybe one or two words doesn't make sense they they start to understand it so so that happened for about 6 months or so but uh, and <laughs> but like after conscious effort uh, it it became normal
0: and so which team did you join in facebook like wh- what were you doing in those years that you spent
1: at facebook um, I joined the Facebook Messages team. So um, back then, um, what had happened was that uh, Facebook did not have chat to begin with. Facebook was just this website which would have newsfeed, um, and and you could go and post on people's wall, exactly like Orkut, right? You could you could write up books. So um, <clears throat> one of the things that Facebook used to do was they would do these hackathons which were real hackathons, which were like these two-day events on the weekends where you could stay back in the office. There would be a lot of pizzas and a lot of food, etc. Stay back in the office, build anything you want, anything you want. Um, so some people would just go and make paintings. Some people would just go and create these sculptures inside the office. Um, I remember like there was this team that went and painted the streets and then cops had come to the office. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, But uh, you could also build software. So uh, one of the things that came out from that hackathon was Facebook chat. So somebody had just put together a very rough chat app and uh, uh, and demoed it internally. And uh, um, the team said, OK, let's let's launch it. Let's see what happens. So this this chat, which would never store messages, it would be very basic. Let's say you are online. If you are online, then you'll get my message. If you're not online, you will lose that message. It was so broken. But even after that, this chat started seeing almost a billion messages every day, which was uh, mind-boggling. And it was very anti what the thesis that Facebook had, that people would not chat a lot on Facebook. Uh, It proved that wrong. So hence, the next effort was, how do we build a chat plus messages thing, which is actually really solid, uh, has a large infrastructure in the back, uh, it does store messages. Even if you're offline, you still get those messages so that people can then like use that as a as a communication uh, channel as well. So that project when it was starting, uh, it was that project that I had joined when it was just getting started.
0: Okay. And you spent the entire four years uh, on, on the chat product or like, you know, what
1: was your uh, path at Facebook? So the first three years were on this chat product. And this was the time... Uh, and the you were chat like purely coding or did you also get into like product? Yeah, so I mean, initially I was purely coding. Um, then later on, as i um, again, very fortunate that I, I moved up the ranks fast enough. Um, so then I started leading certain efforts. So one of the efforts that I led was the launch of the Facebook Messenger app. The second effort, then they... Uh, that that I led was, so uh, we were competing against WhatsApp back then, WhatsApp and Facebook were different companies. Um, So one of the things that we realized was that in certain markets, uh, Messenger was losing because it was not as fast and reliable as WhatsApp was. So the other effort that I led was just the reliability and the latency uh, for the app, just creating things around that. Um, And then the acquisition of WhatsApp happened. So <laughs> a lot of the uh, the war like thing that was going on that 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 came to rest, and and we were obviously the 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 winners given the consolidation that happened. Um, my last year, um, um, which is like the the fourth year at at Facebook, was primarily spent on setting up this new office for Facebook. New engineering office, which was the first engineering office outside of the U.S., which was the Facebook London office. It still continues to hire massively from India. Um, so, hiring the first hundred engineers there, um, porting over a bunch of projects. Um, I was working as part of this uh, Facebook Pages team. Um, that would that would make sure like there are no duplicate pages, and like every let's say let's say entity, let's say a movie or a music etc has a page. Uh, that people can go and like and then recommend to other people. So I was doing a lot of that. This was like quite a leadership role. Were you like talking to Mark also during this time? Or like? Right. I mean, so not, not so much with Mark. It was uh, um, so uh, Mike Shrepp. He was the CTO of uh, Facebook. So uh, a lot of that communication would happen um, to... Um, maybe a, a Mike strap and that too uh, was actually not very frequent, but uh, mostly to business leaders in various domains just to figure out what project can be ported, over, it. To the, yeah, ported over to the London office. Um, we were very fortunate that we already had a few leaders who had come and joined the Facebook London office when it was being set up. So uh, so we had enough projects and hence we could go and do hiring for that Um Without without actually depending on on putting more more projects, in the beginning.
0: And why did you choose this role? Like it's like a very different role from like your previous role of more on tech and product.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, so, uh, one of the reasons was that it um, a couple of reasons. One is uh, this was a very different kind of role, so I wanted to maybe do this just to figure out like what kind of challenges would come in this kind of a role. Uh, the second is. Um, it was a different location as well. So I, I felt that being in the US at least for, for the first couple of years had a large learning curve to it because of the cultural differences. Um, so I felt like maybe being at this new place would again have uh, a new learning curve, which would, which might just lead to higher personal development. So those two combined, uh, prompted me to take that role.
0: Okay. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so what made, uh, you finally decide to leave Facebook?
1: Yeah, so um, I keep saying that story over and over again, but um, one of the things that, um, that that prompted me to do that was was um, in general realizing that this one stream of education which has uh, which has had a very large role to play in my life, which was uh, just tech education, um, that in most parts is really broken for the Indian ecosystem. Um, I had my own brothers uh, studying there, um and and i could see like the the kind of education happening in colleges is is really 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 bad um now maybe why is that really bad i can go into on some other day <laughs> there, there are so many uh, uh problems there but like it's bookish basically bookish plus like there is no incentive to do a, a lot more a lot of these colleges are run by politicians um they they care more about other aspects of college rather than the educational outcome of people. All the most colleges are actually just making sure that AICTE has sort, set certain regulations. We are following those regulations. Nobody can come in tomorrow or take away our certificate. Um, uh, some of the core things or core innovations that would that, that are that is expected from a college to make sure there is higher educational outcome that is never on their on their radar. Um, so those are some. Inherent reasons, but that being said, like what is happening as an outcome was um, that engineering, even though it was a very very large vertical in a country like India, it was did not have uh, quality colleges slash universities. Um, hence, the entire IIT versus non IIT piece, right? So um, that's something that I felt very strongly about. In fact, my um, my other co-founder Abhimanyu. Uh, he comes from a family which had which which had very educational roots so he also felt very strongly about that so hence we both thought let's let's actually uh, that is one field where we believe we have uh, native expertise uh, we did not have the answer of how but we felt we should we should figure out a solution to that and the the thesis was look i mean if we would if we would be at this problem for long enough we will eventually figure out some solution we are Uh, One core belief was we are not very dumb. (laughs) Both of us are (laughs) are reasonably smart. Um, So, so what is Abhimanyu's background and how did the two of you meet? So, Abhimanyu was my batchmate in college, same batch. Uh, In fact, like uh, even in college, we would keep apart from competing in programming competitions, we would keep building these random products. Um, In second year, I remember we had built this um, uh, a product where which would help you control your electricity, electrical appliances from your laptop, and it would monitor the user's pattern and raise a flag if, let's say, uh, certain electrical appliances were working outside of the regular pattern. Um, So we had done some bit of that. We had also built out this um, um, Facebook group kind of a thing um, in college, which was anonymous. And we very soon figured out, why should you not build an anonymous network? People keep posting <laughs> very offensive <laughs> things there. Uh, so <laughs> we shut it down. But like, because we had worked together on building things, there was a lot of comfort. Uh, he was working with this company called Fab.com. Uh, Fab was uh, an e-commerce company from New York, had grown massively. Like uh, they, they, they were, I think, the, the quickest company to become a unicorn. Uh, if I'm not wrong now that that is, I think that that is with some other company. Mensa is is probably the quickest company to become a unicorn now, but but like at, in that time, they were the fastest company to become a unicorn. Um, so he was with them. And um, I mean, when I, he he wasn't thinking of leaving, but when I had pitched this, that I'm thinking of uh, uh, looking at education, then, then he was also very excited by that. And then he said, let's, let's, let's figure out what we can do. So, I mean, while at Facebook,
0: when you were employing people, you figured out that there is an employability issue in graduates from India, and that's right. when you started chatting. And okay, okay. So then, yeah. tell me that, uh, like, like that journey from idea to launch.
1: Right. So, uh, in two thousand fourteen, and uh, our thesis was that maybe the right way to solve for education is through content and product. Um, make free content and like have as many people consume it. Um, one of the... Uh, sites technical that we were, content like uh, on... Yeah, technical content. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, how to code. Exactly. exactly. So uh, one of the in- products that we were really inspired by was uh, Duolingo. So Duolingo is this app you use to learn languages. But it is very gamified and hence has very high engagement and we felt like if we could build a growling go for uh, tech i mean that should solve for education um so hence we went ahead and did that so uh, mid of 2015 we launched we picked but one you space. had quit your jobs and like gone into yeah, this yeah, full time yeah okay yeah one thing which we were very clear was that there is no such thing as uh, committing part-time Either you do it or you don't do it. Like so, if you if we want to solve this problem, we have to commit hundred percent. So hence, we had left our jobs. And you had that comfort
0: of the savings from this, probably some ESOPs and stuff like that also too.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All ESOPs. <laughs> to be honest, like all of my savings came from came from stocks. Hence, I keep telling people, please, please value your ESOPs. If if uh, you're at a company that makes it big, I mean ESOPs are probably going to be could be 10x your earning anyway. So anyway, I I had a a lot of financial cushion because of uh, Facebook. Abhimanyu also had a bunch of financial cushion because of fab. Um, So hence, it was an easy decision for us. Um, Also, it was very conscious because um, since we had financial cushion, we knew that at least for the next five, six years, we can survive without taking salaries and we wouldn't have to, you know, like take a decision which is good for short term, but bad for the long term. So hence we had said, like, let's, let's leave our jobs. Let's focus on this full hundred percent. So we started with the Duolingo approach. Uh, we couldn't obviously like uh, tech is so wide. You can't cover all of tech in one go. So we picked one specific niche, which was um, which probably people have the lo- uh, highest amount of motivation for is uh, jobs in tech. So we said, like, if you are preparing for a job in tech, I'll take you from this um, zero journey to the final hundred journey. I have prepared this Duolingo for that and you come to me and then I'll I'll, I'll take you through that. So this was to crack the selection process, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, cracking the selection process, I mean, there are certain number of concepts that you need to learn and understand, which is... um, this is also important, to be honest, um, to be a good software developer. Um, re- interviews are a reflection of what you what you need to be successful at jobs. So um, so we had built something around that. Um, over the next three, four years, um, I, I, we needed a business model as well. So the, the, the natural sink was that you have this website where a lot of people are coming and practicing. Why don't we go and talk to companies and we start... Charging them money for finding people here, right? So this becomes their their ground for hiring uh, tech talent, and which which by the way worked out really well. Uh, we we signed up more than five hundred companies. Uh, we, we were doing fairly decent revenues as well. You were charging uh,
0: like the standard agency fees, like one month salary. That was the model. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. That so we initially started uh, to build a SaaS where we wouldn't charge them per hire, but rather for for getting access to the pool. What we realized was that India is a market, especially in the hiring space, where it doesn't value SaaS; it values um, outcomes a lot more. And in fact, it's very service-driven. Uh, that was a learning over a period of time. So, 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 hence we pivoted and we said, let's let's do what the market wants. Um, so we built out this uh, separate vertical internally um, that would work with companies and help them uh, help them use the tool, push them to use the tool to actually finally find the hires. And when they would find a hire, then uh, they would pay us exactly like an agency. Okay. A- and you would
0: provide like that replacement guarantee and that whole standard agency. Yes, yes, yes. So we, we would do all of that. So which is very uh, low-tech, kind of a
1: business. So this is very high touch business. Exactly. It was very operationally heavy. Um, while we had this added advantage of uh, access to this pool that is, that was hanging out on interview bit while we had data saying that, look, I mean, this is what somebody has done and hence has a higher probability of, of being in the right fit, not just the resume, uh, which would help us with the selection ratios. Um, and hence, we could get more done with less number of people as compared to a regular agency. Uh, but still, it was very operationally heavy. It was um, um, it was not really uh, the kind of thing that we had done in the past. It was as an ops-heavy thing, which we also learned as we were executing. And
0: probably, you would have also needed to use like Nakri and others to really fill up client mandates because not all mandates would get filled from your pool right
1: so we, we intentionally try to stay away from that because um, uh, i mean uh, if we ever like would fall back to knockery etc then the thing is then you, you just then actually 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 competing with agencies with the same same tools and armory right so then you know in no way better and in that case then you start playing on on margins and then a bunch of other things. So if we said, like, look, our, our superpower is that we have access to people uh, that we don't need to pay for. We have access to their capabilities that we have seen through by way of coding. Let's use those superpower because then a single person can probably get done the same amount of work which, let's say, five or ten people at a, at a regular agency can. And then that becomes your uh, margin uh, strength, more or less. And because this was like, this must have been uh, a
0: kind of a business which doesn't need funding assets, right? Because uh, yeah. you were like,
1: I assume cash flows would have been decent enough to... Right, right, right. right. So uh, this kind of business actually by default is uh, profitable right from the word go. Um, so hence did not need to raise funds. Um, but in 2018, actually we were thinking that, look, I mean, this is not why we started. Uh, if we were supposed to run this, like we were better at our jobs. <laughs> and, and it's not really solving the problem that we wanted to solve. Uh, the problem isn't that there are a lot of jobs and people can't find those jobs. The problem is that there are a lot of jobs, but people are not capable to fit in those jobs. Um, so the real problem to solve is the talent. How do, how do we go and create more talent? Um, and there the question arose that if the thesis was that a Duolingo kind of a thing, free content can solve it, why are we still struggling with, with uh, finding the right talent? That problem should have been solved by now. <laughs> and, uh, and we realized, like, by looking at data that um, product and content alone are not enough. We were actually, uh, I mean, interview evolved to become a supplement to a lot of people in tier one colleges. Most tier two tier three colleges were still scared. Um, they would come, they would maybe try out a few problems, and then they would leave because they didn't have the right support. Engines. It was too high level for them. I mean, so it, they would start slow, um, but then as things started to get complex, the in a in a real college you still had your peers, your seniors who would help you out. There was nobody for people who don't did not come from that environment, and hence they would drop off. Um, in fact there's something very interesting that happened in 2018 so in the 2018 there were a bunch of companies that were driving their entire campus hiring also from interview bit um, uh, and hence we got to so- see the the funnel you know like how, who was applying who was getting to round one round two and so forth um, most people that a lot of high paying companies hired in fact one of those companies was uber um, uber is by the way the company which is in the news for that two cr salary <laughs> in the u.s <laughs> from the iits so uh, in india they also pay really well um, so we 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 looked at the funnel from uber um, everybody most most hires came from iits and triple iits and nits um but what, one thing one aberration that we noticed was there were few people who came from colleges that i had not heard of and and i am by the way like i don't know about every single college in india uh, but like there were a bunch of colleges that I had not heard of and then there were people from those colleges who had made it to Uber. So, so what we did was that we felt maybe if we talk to these people, we, they will give us insights on what is the real way to solve for education. Because these are the people who have been in this non-supportive environment and still made it big. Um, so, so we picked a sample of 100 people. 100 people who did not come from the top fancy colleges but rather uh, uh, what you would call as tier three colleges and still made it to to good moonshot companies. companies. Yeah. So we talked to them, um, all of them very hardworking, very self-motivated. But one very surprising fact that we came to know with 98 out of those 100 people. So except for two, every single person had either an elder cousin or elder Bhaiya Didi um, or a very close senior who was already working at a good company. Okay. So, I mean, there was, uh, and it became very evident when we were talking to them. They, they one, they knew it is possible. I mean, they had hope, they had aspiration, and they knew it is possible. Because my, my brother has done it, or my elder cousin has done it. Second thing is they had guidance. Um, and they had support. I mean, every time they would get stuck, they would just call up this elder cousin and say that, hey, look, I'm stuck, can you please help me get unblocked so that was such a high correlation that that became more or less an eye-opener it it was then that we realized that education is to be honest not about content that's a that's a very common misconception all of us have we feel education is about content and hence you'll see that everybody's advertising look my content is best my content is best my content is best it's not about content content is hygiene content has to be good it is hygiene In fact, what we also realized that day was that what we had built till now was a very good book. I mean, you have a lot of books, books, some books are great, some books are not so great. We had built a very good book, but book alone, again, does not make sure that people learn and then succeed. I mean, I have hundreds of books at my home. I don't read all of the books. Um, and, And hence, like all of your Coursera, Udemy, all of these places, they're all books. They are recorded courses they're books hence they don't have very high completion rate because books is content content one very uh, common mistake people make is they believe content is what wins you the education game content does not win you the education game content is hygiene that day it became clear to us education is about cracking engagement and motivation and aspiration if you can get people hooked onto the learning thing they are coming and spending five hours every day or three hours every day on your platform learning things they are motivated because they believe they can achieve something then you have cracked education education is not about content it is about engagement and addiction Um, that was a big realization we had then Uh, and engagement and addiction comes from various ways right like one is i keep saying support ecosystem support ecosystem is the ecosystem that uh that pushes you to come back. That makes sure that when you're falling down, they get you back up on your feet. Um, which in a college, like, for example, if you look at IIT Bombay, this is a further reflection that we did. IIT, why is IIT Bombay IIT Bombay? Um, is it because it has the best content? No, actually, IIT Bombay <laughs> curriculum has not been updated for a, for a while. It's probably...
0: Yeah, curriculum is not too different from Tier 1, Tier 2 colleges. Maybe Tier 3 might be different, but tier one and two have similar curriculum?
1: Hmm. Actually, tier three also have very similar curriculum. Um, hmm. So the curriculum isn't, isn't the winner. In fact, like if you start comparing IIT Bombay's curriculum with a lot of uh, world-class universities, a lot of them have much, much better curriculum. Um, is it IIT ID Bombay ID Bombay because it has great teachers? I mean, just like quotas, if you look at quota, they would advertise the teacher look at this. Yeah. Superstar teachers. Yeah. yeah. Jitu Bahia is teaching. This Bahia is teaching. That Bahia is teaching. That's, that's why you should come and study at us. But like the, one of the best institutes in the country, it, it never advertises about its professors. And to be honest, like those professors also, and no disrespect meant to them, but, um, but they're probably not that great teachers anyway. Uh, If you go and talk to graduates from IIT Bombay, and I had a few of them, with me in, when I was in the US, a lot of them would crib about a lot of professors that the, their way of teaching wasn't very engaging. So then, what makes ID Bombay an ID Bombay? Why why is ID Bombay an ID Bombay? One is obviously it has a lot of smart people, the peer group. But those smart people, the peer group. But just because you have ten smart people, are you uh, are, are you going to become an ID Bombay? Not really. It's it's actually the ecosystem. ID Bombay has cracked the engagement game, engagement and addiction game. You you have, you're constantly being pushed by your peers, your seniors. Um, You know, when you get stuck, you can just knock at the door, right? Opposite yours. And there's a senior living there and you can ask them, sir, can you please help me out with this? I'm getting stuck here. You know, you're in the vicinity of of these people. The ecosystem makes it work. That was the realization in the end of 2018 that helped us create scalar. that education is not about content. Uh, content has to be good. It is hygiene, but the real source or the secret source of education is engagement, addiction, and the ecosystem that you create. Uh, and hence, if you have to really solve for education, you have to solve for these pieces. No, no. So the, the, I want to know how, how you like executed this then. Like
0: I understand the insight behind it. So how did the, uh, so essentially this insight would mean that you need to have a cohort based faculty led uh, something
1: which mimics the campus experience. Exactly. Exactly. So, so um, we said like, let's, let's actually uh, break that, break that down, right? Like, what exactly is is IT Bombay doing? In fact, like IT Bombay was not the metric for us. We said let's pick the best university out there, which is Stanford, right? Um, and and we said like what does it take to create an online Stanford? Whereby online Stanford we don't mean that we want to create a university and that should give degree etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Degrees don't mean jack shit. It's essentially what people who are graduating they can what they can do that that's what what is the core. Um, sense of that right so so we started breaking it down in fact like we we talked to a bunch of graduates from stanford to figure out like what was so different about them maybe i can talk about like what content we borrowed from there but the breakdown essentially resulted in in the following one is when people are studying content that is that is challenging then it is important to give them the right support so that they don't drop off the very common human tendency is as things become tough, let's just give up or let's just delay that. If you have the right support ecosystem, then you carry on. Uh, the second thing is having a bunch of push items to make sure. So one of the reasons why people don't read books is because there is no time limit to that. You can always keep postponing. You can say that I'll read the book maybe a two weeks down the line, three weeks down the line and that that, or maybe I'll read the book tomorrow, but the tomorrow never comes. Um, so, so what is this synchronous thing that keeps pushing you to do things, which if you don't do, you feel ashamed about, we feel ashamed about not doing things in college because I see other people doing it. I know that my there's a deadline. I know my professor is going to ask me there is going to be an exam and hence I have to prepare that is, I can't push it. It is the same for everybody. Hence the cohort came into the picture. Um, for support, we actually introduced the role of somebody called a teaching assistant who was supposed to be your senior who you could ever like go at any point of time and ask doubts. This person could, would, would clear your doubts because that entire didi and elder cousin insight came from that Uber experience. We said given that has such a high correlation, we should make sure that there is every single person gets a personal mentor who is exactly like your elder elder brother, um, probably talking to you once every two weeks one on one and is actually a successful software engineer or successful techie It comes from the same domain it's not just some random person that I' made your made your mentor um, and most importantly and you have still have the faculties faculties also like there we felt like things that are broken is that uh, in our colleges um, uh, when when it comes to techie there are usually professors teaching and professors mostly haven't written code themselves for the last 10 20 years. They're not in touch with what is happening in the outside world. But if you look at if but if you look at medical science, in medical science, doctors are practitioners. Right. Yeah. They, That's they actually, yeah, they practice and then they teach. So then hence they are able to, you know, like give you very practical examples that look, here is what goes wrong if you do what you're suggesting to do. Um, so hence, I mean, one other co- conscious choice was that faculty should be people who are currently working at companies maybe building things right like just like i was building things in fact like i am still one of the uh, one of the teachers uh, i take i take a class almost every day a three-hour class almost every day even today um, yesterday night i had a class so um so so in that became one of the the core designs that like people teaching should be practitioners and eventually, the most important piece, the most important pillar that we figured should happen is, we should get people to talk to each other a lot. IITs are IITs because of the peer ecosystem. Peer learning is the is the most, the strongest uh, portion, and that the networking helps you even after you've graduated. So, um, and to be honest, that's a very hard problem statement in a virtual setup. So so uh, we have a few dedicated product teams, product and community teams where their entire key result KR that they go after is how many times are people talking to each other in a day. Um, So if I have 1000 people, then like how many peer to peer interactions have happened. And uh, when people graduate, we do a qualitative study to figure out like if if I ask a person that how many people are you really close to from your batch, then do, do I get at least three people that they they relate very, very closely to? Which is like, do they graduate with three best friends almost from, from this cohort or not? Uh, so those kind of things um, we started uh, prioritizing. That became one, one very core pillar of Scalar. So we brought all of this together. Um, in fact, there is another thing that we do. This is not a core pillar, but like just something we blatantly copied from Stanford. Uh, Stanford does this view from the top uh, where they invite industry leaders to come and talk about what is happening in the outside world. So every month, every month or every two months, we get one person who is an industry leader, let's say a CTO of uh, of a large company or a CEO of a large company, to come and talk to the cohort. Just tell them like about what is important in the outside world versus what is not. Uh, how to incent, in fact, like prioritize right, and then just open up, make these people ask questions, get their questions answered. So there are a bunch of these small, small choices inside that I have not mentioned. I've only mentioned the the larger, uh, uh, the larger, uh, design choices. And that's been working terrifically well till this point. Now tell me like the evolution, you know, when you launched the first cohort,
0: what yeah, was yeah. that experience and what was the product like at that stage? And how did you, uh, get in place this one-on-one mentorship? Uh, and uh, you know w- how did you get your faculty in place? L- like, tell me about that cohort one, and you know from there what it is today, like that evolution.
1: Right. So um, when we started, like the one good thing that we had as a result of the work we had done in the past is the InterviewBit platform. So InterviewBit bl- platform by then had grown to almost two million software developers, and since it was operational from 2015, there were a lot of people who you know, like you had who had benefited from the platform they held it in very high regard so that community helped us get a lot of mentors tas etc because when we reached out to them saying that hey now we need your help to give back to the ecosystem everybody was was super excited about like sort of giving back to the ecosystem and and uh, I mean, we filtered based on credentials. That's not the best kind of filtering, but at least like the credentials help to give us some confidence that, okay, fine, the mentors and the TAs have some amount of capability. No credentials the to amount. the uh, cohort, no? I am assuming that yeah, they would respect. Yeah, yeah. yeah even the cohort uh, actually uh, respects the credentials a lot more. But we filtered based on that. Um, the teachers, to begin with, like we started with... Um, just me and there was a a friend who was running his own education company. So uh, we had requested that person to actually come and help us out for six months. So there were only two teachers in the beginning Uh, with the understanding that if we ever had a problem, we have the entire team here. Somebody or the other would step up and then also try to teach Um, on the side of um, product. I mean, on the product, because for interview bit, we had built a lot of these gamification features. Uh, so we we just translated that to Scalar in the beginning. And then we started iterating on Scalar to make uh, some of, let's say, the mentor interactions, TA interactions, etc. as a product.
0: And the, the um, chat, did you have that in place? Like chat between co- cohort?
1: Like yeah so for that we uh, so there was so there are these uh, solutions instead of like building we bought um, there's these solutions like slack flock so we initially started with flock uh, and now now today we use slack um, so, so so we, we just like uh, set up flock for everybody we called it scalar chat. And we said like everybody has to be here chatting to everybody. We would do a bunch of events or like competitions there so that people get accustomed to using Flock. Um, but then like later on now, I mean now that I look at the evolution, a lot of interactions happen on Slack, but a lot of interactions also happen um, on WhatsApp. Or a bunch of interactions happen on the website. So so we've, we've we've split the community piece into a collection of a suite of products. Um, which is across uh, multiple platforms. So Slack, WhatsApp and our our core product. Hmm.
0: Uh, Which mimics real life because in real life also you...
1: Hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, We're also looking at some physical element, but I'll I'll maybe talk about that (laughs) in six months from now. Okay, Uh, okay. And (laughs) what was the pricing
0: for cohort one and what uh, what technology were you focusing on? Was it like a full stack uh, development program or what was it like?
1: Right uh, on the uh, technology piece. Um, even when we were starting, the one core um, thesis was that tech is an ecosystem that keeps changing, and hence focusing on a particular technology is a bad decision. It could be one specialization that you do, but um, um, tech in tech like technologies are tools, right? So if you look at a mechanic, a mechanic never says that I am I am I am a screwdriver mechanic, or <laughs> I am this electric, electricity tester mechanic. I mean, you're a mechanic. You're go, supposed to go and solve a problem, right? And you have a bunch of tools that you can take help from. So, uh, hence, like it was very clear to us that if we have to build this cohort, um, it should be long enough, where uh, we don't focus on one particular tech stack or one particular skill, but we rather make you really good at the art of learning and problem solving. So. uh, I mean, so even today, like the cohort is nine months, but the first five months of the cohort are essentially uh, saying that you go figure out the tool, but we will give you a lot of problem statements. So, in those five months, you get approximately 400 problem statements, which are real world problem statements, and you have to solve those problem statements. Come back to me with a solution. Give me an example, like what? Uh, For example, uh, I mean, these are very technical examples. I'm just trying to think if there is a very non-tech, for example, one of the technical examples is that in tech, you have uh, uh, something called a cache, right? Cache cache is, uh, imagine I have to uh, store some information right now, if that information is a lot, for example, it's a YouTube videos, right? So if the videos are stored in uh, a database somewhere, which is a machine farther off, it takes me some time to get that video, right? but let's say if a video is very popular let's say there is gangnam style which video which is very popular everybody is fetching that then why not keep it uh, closer to me where uh, let's say that that video is residing somewhere in india and uh, everybody requesting from for gangnam style is fetching it from from that place right now then the question is how do i choose which which um, videos to keep in in the machines in india versus like what or what gets fetched from the us so um so there is a concept of uh, LRU cache. LRU cache is least recently used cache, which is keep keep putting every video in the servers in India the, and like keep removing the videos which have been least recently used. So Gangnam style, if, if everybody is requesting for it, it will never be least recently used. It will have a recency of use. So for example, one of the problem statements is like, go build a LRU cache, right? Like you have this use case of uh, storing videos. Um, it can only store, let's say, five videos at a time. Now go build this, write the algorithm for this, what five videos to choose. And I'll keep telling you like what people are requesting for. Uh, and, and then based on that, you figure out like what five videos to retain here versus what to keep in the US DB. That is uh, one slightly complicated example. Maybe I can, uh, one simpler example would be that imagine I have WhatsApp. Right? WhatsApp has all of your messages stored locally inside your mobile. Now, if you see, if once, if you search for anything in your WhatsApp, let's say you search for the word vaccine, it will show you where all places where vaccine has occurred in your conversation. So, one problem statement could be just build that. Just search. Right. But I'll give you, yeah, just, just build search, searching for words in a very, very large corpus. Um,
0: do people so, need to have some prerequisite skills before joining, uh, or do you teach them from basics?
1: Uh, so right now, we require them to know some bit of coding. Um, but then, uh, I mean, so there is first one month, which is focused on just strengthening their coding skills, making sure they get comfortable with coding. And then the next five months, I said, like completely focus on strengthening your problem-solving muscle, right? Which is, you get accustomed to see, seeing any kind of problem and not getting uh, overwhelmed, but rather thinking, okay, fine, let me break it down. This might be step one, step two, step three, et cetera. Then we go into the specialization. And that's when we talk about, look, here is uh, what a full stack engineer can do. Here is what a backend engineer can do. Here is what a mobile engineer can do. And you can choose your specialization and you can build that. But our core philosophy is that all of that is useless. I mean, that's, uh, that's another mistake which I feel most tech players are doing, that you keep focusing on, on the tools. Um, th- the first step to any process is you help people learn the art of learning. And they apply the art of learning then to let's say a specialization. That's when you're preparing them for life. Otherwise, they'll—I mean—you're designing them to fail late some at some point later on, right? So,
0: mm, okay, amazing. So,
1: uh, like
0: we were talking about the evolution from cohort one to today. Like, uh, tell me about Sorry. that. So, cohort one
1: was also nine months, or uh... yeah. So, actually, uh, there has been some amount of evolution there. In fact, a lot of evolution there. Uh, because we were emulating Stanford. So the first thing was that, look, I mean, and this is a learning that we've had. So at that point of time, we believed Stanford is Stanford because also because of its intake. The intake is very high IQ, very high capability people, right? Very selective in nature.
0: Maybe like single digit percentage gets through. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. Same for IITs as well, right? So every single large institute, a successful institute we looked at, everybody was very selective in nature. So we said maybe that's something that is required to be uh, a great institute. So let's focus on that. Now, how do we build that? So, so to build that one is you need a lot of pull, which is a lot of people want to come and study at your place and then you are very selective. So to build the pull, we, we said, let's, let's create a model which nobody can say no to. And that was a postpaid model where we said, look, we're not even going to take money from you in the beginning. You come here, you study here, and if you find a great job, then you're liable to pay. Otherwise, don't pay. That's um, So this is what, what we started with because we wanted to be very, very selective. Um, now, we realized a bunch of problems with that model later on. It was just attracting wrong kind of people in certain cases. Um, but, but I mean... Uh, uh, i mean it it helped us be very very selective i mean we we our selection rate was less than one percent uh it helped us attract really really good people but six months down the line and the program was also shorter it was six to seven months and and what did they pay once they got a job uh they would pay um, uh, 17 percent of their salary for two years or three lakhs whichever was smaller so the maximum amount you would pay would be three lakhs or uh, 17% of your salary for two years, in case the that amount was smaller. Um, <clears throat> one of the learnings in six months from, so this is in 2019, so by the end of 2019, one of the learnings we had is that when we started looking at people who were graduating and where they were ending up, so we started doing this correlation analysis of our, uh, the thesis was that if we are very selective, so this, we are very selective because the smarter people have higher chances of succeeding. Uh, Is that correlation still holding or not? And one of the things we realized was there was absolutely zero correlation in the entrance score that they scored versus the outcomes they had. Um, For example, um, uh, Google is considered to be like, you know, uh, one of this company that that is very, very hard to get into. Uh, Extremely selective. uh, extremely extremely selective right like um, probably dream for many to get into and um, some of the people who got into Google had almost the lowest score in entrance test we were about to reject them had we been slightly more selective we would have rejected them but uh, they had they were very high on motivation they were very high on grit and that's why they were able to like learn a lot and hence make it make make, make it to like one of the best outcomes of the batch So then we started questioning our assumption that is the assumption that if you're very very selective only then people succeed is that correct Hmm. did you have an entrance exam Uh, like yeah yeah we did we did that's how we were very selective so we would do this massive scale coding exam we would we would take people the best of the best uh in the cohort we would then polish them even more and then they would get into and into the companies so but like the, the, that correlation showed us that our thesis was flawed. you 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 have to filter for motivation and grit, not for their their current level of skills. We, we were filtering for the wrong things. Um, now, how do you filter for motivation and grit? That became the challenge then, right like it's it's not very easy to judge how motivated a certain person is. Uh, plus, like we had also started noticing that um, ours was a very heavy on community play. Um, uh, we had started noticing that when you say that, look, I mean, you only have to pay when you get a great job. Then certain people that you attract, they're not interested in learning at all. They're interested in only the final outcome. So they come into the court and they're like, "Now it's your responsibility. I'll chill <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> out." There's no
0: skin uh, in the game for them. So there
1: is no skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. So we said like this is a model that's also not stay sustainable. Let's switch to the conventional uh, prepaid models. Okay. Uh, like you went but, completely
0: uh, prepaid, like
1: 100% prepaid? Yeah, yeah, we went 100% prepaid in 2020. Um, no postpaid element whatsoever. Uh, but by then, like we had also created a bunch of these outcomes, which, which also got people to trust us. So hence that decision was, was easier. One of the other data points that we started seeing was that in the cohorts in 2020, the first few three cohorts that we did, we gave people an option. You can either opt for completely prepaid, and in that case, the amount you pay is half, 1.5 lakhs. Versus, you can opt for postpaid, which is fine. But then, when you get do find a great outcome, then you pay double the amount. We had started seeing half of the batch coming in complete prepaid, without any any uh, job angle whatsoever to their learning. So and then those people had higher adherence. They had higher motivation, higher grit. So it became very clear that, like, look, I mean, if if motivation and grit is what you're optimizing for, then maybe like one of the ways to do that is by just altering your, uh, your entrance uh, criteria, like your entrance criteria shouldn't be um, your current level of skills. So we went completely prepared. We made a bunch of uh, design decisions again on how to make sure these People still have the same end outcome. So we broke that. I mean, so we started imagining this if, if you look at the entire learning as a 100 meter race, then your current levels of skill means you. somebody might be at 10 meters, somebody might be at 20 meters, somebody might be at 40 meters. So there is one, I mean, some amount of bucketization required because if you are early on in the journey, then you probably need more time to, to reach the end point. So the program duration cannot be the same for everybody. So we said like broadly, let's let's split it into three parts. There are people who are advanced and maybe they only need seven, eight months. But then there are people who are intermediate. They probably need nine to ten months. And then there are people who might be beginner who might need maybe a year or maybe more than a year to, to actually uh, reach the same endpoint. The second thing that we figured was that if this is 100 meter race, if we are somehow able to filter for motivation and grit, then even then, like, how fast do I run? is also varies from person like people in the outside world term that as IQ I don't believe in IQ I believe like again if if you are determined if you want to do certain things I mean it might take you more time but you'll eventually get there and that's what matters but I mean the pace of learning the pace of absorbing something also varies from a person to person so hence again like saying that everybody will learn at the same pace is also the wrong assumption what you need to do is that even if in intermediate you have a bad starting, you have to identify people who learn really fast. You have to identify who people who learn really slow, and you have to keep have them in different cohorts, so that like you are optimizing for their pace, not your pace. Um, so, so we made some of those core design curriculum choices. Uh, we created cohorts based on that, uh, so that eventually everybody succeeds. Um, this happened in uh, June of 2020 so it's been one and a half years uh, it seems like our thesis is correct so every single person from every single batch till this point every single person in this prepaid mode has had massive outcomes. Um, Our average this is Please don't put that in the official video, but our average uh, salary pumps is 2.7x. Uh, so people who come, I mean, they almost end up tripling their salary in a year.
0: Is it uh, like uh, what percentage of your cohort is already working? Uh, I thought you
1: would have a lot of college kids like who have not yet started working. Um, so um, when we did the pivot from postpaid to prepaid, uh, one of the things that we said was, look, I mean, let's start with audience that is slightly more mature. One of the things that actually solves for motivation and grit is that if you've had, uh, there's a phrase in Hindi that if you've had something in then you get very serious about your learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're more focused, you know, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and then you know that this is going to really help me, right? Otherwise, in college, you're optimizing for, I mean, and this is very unfortunate. Our education system actually ha- makes us optimize for getting that degree, passing that exam. Why am I learning that? That is not my priority at all. Uh, so, hence, we said, like, maybe in the beginning, let's not go after college students. Some of them might be great, but let's just filter for people who have had a lot of thappers in their life. Um, because then they know why they're learning. And uh, from June onwards, June 2020 onwards, every single person that we've enrolled, they've all been working professionals. Uh,
0: so you you like just say no to freshers or it, it's
1: just a coincidence? Yeah. No, right now we say no to freshers. So uh, um, right now we say no to freshers. We will, uh, we have a, I mean, so there is a vision to build a parallel college as well, which is taking people right after class twelve maybe create a 15 18 month program for them uh, not have them go to college at all so we'll we'll solve for that those segments later on mm-hmm. you need a different product for uh, prices yeah 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 but right now very clear focus on working professionals they are they are i mean they are harder to teach to be honest they are How's harder that? to because they already have a job in parallel they're focusing on that plus plus even on the uh, problem solving bit every single thing that you teach you have to explain them the why you can't teach, teach them anything in the air uh, it has to go in a fair amount of depth uh, whereas like if you're teaching students they get happy with with even small lollipops <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, so they're the harder cohort to teach harder cohort to please but um, they they put in their effort if you tell show them the why and then you'll see like a lot of them, then finally making it big in life, which is at the end of the day what what keeps us going. Um, so, like from June twenty twenty now we've had uh, almost uh, fifteen hundred odd graduates, um, and the data point that I was telling you two point seven x salary increase that is across those fifteen hundred data points.
0: Hmm, amazing. So there would be people with like a ten x increase also and.
1: Yeah I mean so uh, yes yes there there would be people with 10x increase in fact like there are these uh uh I don't talk about these stories because then people get get a little uh um, yeah, you don't want to advertise the outliers basically yeah 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 I mean, for example we had this person who had like 5 years of experience hired by uh Ulan for 1.1 cr in salary uh, which is, which is a very outlier case, right? Like at that, Mm, that yeah, yeah, it's an outlier. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But the thing is, if you advertise those, then everybody starts to expect that. So, So you don't advertise, but, but I mean, all of this is good sign that like, at least what you're doing is in the right direction. You're creating people who can go in the real world and make very large impact. What was your intake in cohort one? The very original cohort one had 198 people. Okay. And now
0: you're you're doing about uh, fifteen hundred people a year, something like that.
1: No, no. So this was um, uh, when we fifteen hundred people graduated. So June twenty twenty onwards, fifteen hundred people graduated. So this would be maybe intake from June twenty twenty to December twenty twenty. Now we're taking at much much faster pace. So um, for example, this last one month we onboarded about thirteen hundred people. So we. We do about 1,300 to 1,500 people intake uh, every month. This is across two different cohorts now. So there are people who want to build a career in the direction of tech versus there are people who want to build a career in the direction of data science. So those are two different paths altogether.
0: Okay. So you yeah. launched a different co- uh, program for data science.
1: Yeah. 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 Same philosophy, same same online Stanford, every single decision very similar. Um, Driven by um, content which is relevant in the real world. In fact, like even in data science, uh, but we went one step further and we said like all of the the same first five months throwing problems at you. All of these problems will be some business case study from a company which is a real business case study. So we've tied up now with with more than seventy companies. Um, And some of them are from the Indian ecosystem, uh, the larger ones who have recently IPO'd. Uh, So so taking business cases from them and then throwing that at them to again, develop that muscle of problem solving. Uh, And that is important because um, our education system, plus a lot of our IT services companies, unfortunately, train people to think in terms of tools and not the solution. that 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 uh, thought process of don't worry about the tools. Tools are only tools. But worry about your approach to the solution. That's what makes you a better data scientist or a better, better software developer. That's a mindset shift that uh, has to happen in the masters and hence focusing on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay. So, so uh, like, uh, what does... Uh, so, you do a lot of personalization. So, what does a cohort look like today? Is it like batches of like 20, 30 people because you're doing so much segmentation, like, you know, beginner intermediate advanced and then within intermediate also you have two separate levels. So how, how does that happen? Like, how does your intake, uh, like
1: how's, how's the whole flow managed? Right. Right. So, uh, I mean, if you look at it, like there are about 1300 1500 odd people being intaken. Uh, broadly five, six segmentation, um, Actually, what we figured out is like in advance, we don't need the fast versus slow segmentation. Usually, yeah, you don't, yeah. yeah but like in intermediate and beginner, you do. So um, typically, a cohort has about two hundred odd people um, who are very similar in the in their pace of learning and in what they know today.
0: So of, this, uh, like, say, intermediate lower would be one cohort. Intermediate higher would be a separate cohort. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I again wouldn't say lower or higher. <laughs> while they're, they're the pace of learning is is different. But yeah, I mean that is yeah that is one cohort, correct? Is um, it that it takes them more time to learn the same thing? So so that means that has some implication on the duration, etc., which is fine. Do you still have an entrance exam? We do, we do, we do. But like the selection rates are now thirty percent. Instead of uh, single-digit percent, and th- that entrance exam is only to just make sure, like at least you know that much, so that the course is effective for you. For example, we don't spend time teaching you class six, seventh maths. We expect that you're already good at algebra. You're already good at, uh, at at trigonometry. You're already good at let's say some some elements of number theory. Um, very similarly, like very basic level of coding. Um, for example, if I ask you to write a code to add up two numbers, at least you're comfortable with those elements, right? That is bare minimum required to be effective in the course. So hence we filter for those.
0: Plus, uh, would that uh, entrance exam also tell you where, like which cohort to slot people into? Or?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so how do you judge who's a fast learner and who's not like? So uh, initially on day zero, we don't really know. Uh, What we do is that every single class, we get feedback from people on how uh, one is like how the class went, how was the instructor, but also did you feel the class was slow or fast? Um, And that starts to once we've done one or two weeks of classes, then that starts to feed in as input where we then have conversations with people. So it's it's still very operationally heavy, but we have conversations with people. We tell them that, look, I mean, you found these classes to be very slow we recommend that you should be in the faster moving batch. Um, and and based on that, like we, we do the segmentation Oh, on day zero, it's like combined for all uh,
0: like all for the matches all, together. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. 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 The so okay. first two
1: weeks is where the, 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 you're, you sort of discovering, um, the, the segmentation, however, in advanced intermediate and beginner, that has happened on day zero because the test test gives you that, but the pace wise, um, we we don't do in fact like uh, in the early days when we had smaller cohorts there we would uh, we, it was possible we would not end up doing the segmentation at all uh, in case everybody was was finding the the pace of lectures etc to be to be the right pace now the the cohorts are so big that we and need to split anyhow and how how does that
0: one-on-one mentorship happen like you found people so as you told me through interview bit you found people who were willing to were they like volunteering or was it like a paid gig like these mentors
1: so we give them options some of them actually volunteer because their um, employer contract does not allow them to take um, uh, payments outside of their uh, outside of their uh, employment some of them uh, choose to get paid um, so we will we, we let mentors choose that But mostly, I mean, the payment is also so small that nobody is doing, to be honest, for the payment. It's only the spirit of giving back. Um, So typically what happens is that when, let's say, you as a learner are on the platform, you see a list of mentors and along with that, some text from our side, which is our systems recommending why we are recommending it to you. So, for example, let's say you're currently in TCS and... um, let's say this person was in TCS at some point in time, but today is, let's say, working at, at a hot star or, let's say, Google, etc. So we're recommending because this person has been in a situation like yours and hence might be a great fit, right? So you see a bunch of these options and you choose one that you like. Okay. Uh, tell me about the,
0: the product evolution. So uh, you are doing live classes, right? Uh, and... Uh, right the chat is also through like slack so so what is the product that you've developed like uh, hmm. is it like the for assignments and quizzes and uh, stuff like that which happens on the the scalar website or the scalar app do you have an app also like how, what is it
1: so we don't have an app because uh, most of the coursework involves you to write code uh, it's very hard to write code on mobile so so we've intentionally stayed uh, desktop only uh, we we, in fact, instruct everybody to get a laptop if they don't have one already. Uh, that being said, um, the product, which is the core product, the 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 primary metric that that product is driving, apart from assignment quizzes and a bunch of other things where you can write code, is the engagement. How much time are people spending on this product every day? Um, and hence, what kind of things to build so that people have a reason to come back every single day and spend a lot of time here. Um, so the product is primarily around gamifying various elements. For example, um, for example, let's say you're doing a problem, you get stuck, you raise a help request. If there is a fellow person who's coming and helping you, then that person earns some number of coins. You have certain house dynamics, uh, just like Harry Potter has houses. You have houses here as well. Every single thing that you do either makes your house gain points or your house lose points. So your house leader is, is after you to do, keep doing certain amount of things. Yeah. So uh, you have a leaderboard where you can see the entire rank list of where you stand in the class. And uh, there's a concept of a streak every single day. uh, There is a target of points that you need to achieve. Even if you miss on a single day, then your streak reduces to zero. Uh, There are people right now in the cohort who have like 360 days streak or 400 days. So last 400 days, they have, have been on the website every single day, achieving certain number of points. Uh, and as you hit certain streak milestones, for example, 25-day streak or 50-day streak, you earn a large number of coins, which lets you buy certain things in the real world with those coins. So there are those kind of things that are, uh, are those kind of things that are there in the product, which which just solves for engagement. People come at the point of entry, we solve for motivation and grit, but then making sure they stay motivated. They, they they don't have to continuously push themselves. That is the responsibility of, of the product to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. What are the elements in the product?
0: Like One is like a assignment and quizzing platform. And then you have like uh, these forums where people can ask the, like a Quora kind of. a.
1: Right. So uh, essentially uh, the product has uh, this place where you can chat with your mentor, uh, this place where you can see all of your classes. So recording of classes, the corresponding assignments. Okay. So if you miss the class, then you can watch the video. You can mm. watch it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you're watching the video, there is uh, there is a way to, uh, if you get stuck somewhere, you can raise uh, what we internally call as concept help request, which is a TA will then come on a one on one call with you and explain that concept to you. That didn't make sense to you. Um, as you're solving the assignment, every assignment has um, i mean code that you write it has if you if it feels that you're getting stuck there are these hints as nudges that the assignment the platform gives that have you looked at sorting the data maybe maybe that might help um so that kind of a thing um if let's say you're still not able to progress you can raise a i mean you can look at either the video solution yourself Or, I mean, if something isn't making sense, you can raise a request and a TA will again come and help you. Maybe do a code review and say that here is maybe where you're making a mistake. Um, um, There is a rank list to compare with your peers. Um, Just see what my peers have done today versus what I have have I done today. Where are my peers with respect to levels versus where I am. Um, There is a news feed of seniors. With seniors in this context is people who have enrolled in earlier batches what all jobs are they landing? And this is like a constant newsfeed. So just like Facebook had this ticker on the side. Yeah, so this is motivation. Um, so that, that keeps um, happening on the side. There's a bunch of things. I mean, I'm, I might be missing out on a lot of things. There is a job tracker as well where you keep seeing these companies that have just released a new job. Um, we don't let you apply till you've converted a certain part of the course, but for people who have, uh, they see which jobs are relevant for them, and they can apply. And they say that I, am, I want to apply. There is an entire funnel there that, that we show like which stage are you at, etc. Um, <clears throat> and does uh, like does this
0: data help you create more uh, like like a smarter platform? Like if someone raised the concept request, and then, then you see that a lot of people are raising this concept request, then does that get productized? Like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So input uh, to faculty, maybe, or like you know, h- how
1: do you make this smarter using tech? So uh, bunch of actually, uh, every single thing has a feedback loop in certain sense. Uh, for example, um, by the way, the platform where we hold our live classes that is also in house, um, because it has bunch of things inbuilt. Like it has even the things that you're doing inside the classroom contributes to your rank list. So uh, within the classroom, there are also quizzes and that point actually gets added up there. There are coins that are rewarded, etc. Uh, the feedback that you give once the class ends, that goes to the instructor to tell them what have they not done well versus what have they done well. The Let's say if uh, on a problem, because the assignments don't change, I mean the first five months where I throw a lot of problem statements at you. So if I have seen certain kind of people raising a request to the TA, and I know from the past that there have been similar um, uh, uh, times where other people had raised requests, then I, instead of actually going to the TA that might take me 15 minutes, I immediately show them. By the way, there was a student just like you who had also raised a request at this point of time with a very similar looking code and here is what the TA had suggested. Uh, see if this is helpful. If not, I will connect you with a real TA. It's right? so, uh, we call that internally as automated TA. Um, concept help request as well, we try to uh, create group concept request sessions. So, for example, let's say I say, look, I mean, this particular concept recursion did not make sense to me. Can somebody, can some TA explain to me? So the moment, let's say, I raise that request, it gets bro- broadcasted to all students in the same batch that there is going to be this concept help request session by this TA in an hour from now, if you want to join, you can also join. So, so basically there's a lot of buzz happening
0: all the time. Like like in an yeah, hour, yeah, means yeah. Like it's, it's a lot of real-time engagement happening.
1: Hence, you want to be on the platform all the time because you miss out otherwise. Um, every single concept help request then creates a recording. So in case, let's say there is, there is you can't wait for the TA even for 15-30 minutes, you can look at a recording and then you can you can then move forward and so forth. There is so much happening inside that is very hard for me to articulate what exactly the product is. The whole and sole goal of the product is to solve for engagement. Make sure that people are just hooked, addicted, and are spending as much time on the platform as possible. They never go out of this ecosystem because if you solve for that, I mean, right now, for example, the average amount of time spent per user per day is one eighty six minutes. One eighty six minutes is even if I'm spending (laughs) like time watching Netflix all day, i still don't spend money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True, 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 true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, I I assume it would be a lot like, say, working at Facebook, you know, in the sense that constant buzz, camaraderie, learning from each other and uh, doing exciting stuff. Right, 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 right. Uh, So have you uh, raised funds? Uh, Like uh, once you started your cohort one, did you raise funds at that time or subsequent?
1: Yeah, so we did. We did. Uh, we actually uh, raised uh, our first fundraise was when we were pivoting to this uh, scalar model, online Stanford model. Uh, this was in uh, Feb of two thousand nineteen. We raised. We were in the first cohort of Search uh, Sequoia Search. So we raised about one point five million. Um, then uh, once we had started running this cohort, then sometime around August September the same year. Um, Which is in six seven months. We did our Series A, which was about twenty million odd from Sequoia and Tiger. Uh, Sequoia led that round, and we very recently, um, because we are now also expanding internationally, we very recently raised another fifty million or so uh, uh, in a recent fund fundraise that we'll be announcing very shortly.
0: But, uh, so why do you uh, need funds now? Because it's prepaid, so it's it's like a cash machine, no?
1: Yeah, I mean, so uh, right now we, so we don't need, to be honest, like we haven't spent all of the money we raised even in the past. So we don't need funds to sustain the core business. All of the fundraise we're doing are either for acquiring maybe new companies that might help us become stronger or um, helping us strengthen the brand because brand is an expense that we do today to help people tell our story, but might not give us immediate returns. It's a, it's a long term investment. So brand building, M&As and international expansion. So Whenever we go to a new region, for example, right now we're launching in the US, um, there is a lot of upfront cost to set up operations in a new country. Um,
0: in terms of hiring the TAs, the faculty, and
1: yeah, hiring the team, hiring the faculty, hiring the TAs, mentors, uh, they might not. Um, I mean, it might not start making money immediately, uh, but I mean the assets, etc., that you build in the region, they'll, they'll eventually start start to become cash positive. Um, so we raise funds preemptively for those reasons, just to make sure that our growth trajectory isn't stalled, and like, we're doing everything we can to, to become a large company. I mean, I believe that Scalar for the problem it is solving and the approach we have can replace universities someday. someday yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, mm. Actually, like six years down the line, I mean, I'm at least what I believe is that like people would not go to colleges for regular reasons. There might be these off cases because of which people go to colleges. And in that lens, I mean, it's a company that can become a hundred billion dollar company. So, so um, raising funds to accelerate that journey um, that's, that's the only reason why we raise funds.
0: Yeah, okay. So when uh, like, say your US cohort starts, will, will it become like a global engagement and interaction? Like the peer group, will it become like a global peer group or the India cohort will have a separate Slack channel and like, uh, what do you see that as happening?
1: No, no, so, uh, there is merit in actually having it global. Uh, there is merit because both parties learn from each other. Um, if I am somebody in the US, I tend I, I have a bunch to learn from the Indian ecosystem, and if I'm somebody in the Indian ecosystem, I have a bunch to learn from the other ecosystem. Um, some of the things that we do here, I mean, for example, we get people to meet locally in a meetup, etc. Or we play cricket on weekends, we get the cohort to come together play cricket. Those we won't be able to do, um, but the other aspects we, we would still be able to execute on. Um, so the idea there is like get people to mingle with each other the one just difference might be that the faculty might be different for let's say the person in india versus person in the us because and the groups, et cetera, would also be different because there is local context yes that yes, is yes,
0: yes 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 yeah to build engagement you need uh, that kind of right. and uh, do yes. you still run
1: your hiring business Uh, Yes. I mean, so it is, uh, so we don't charge companies anymore. Uh, It, it is, um, it is the, in fact, it has gotten deeper. Now we work with more than 750 companies in India and Europe. Um, And, and uh, there's some certain IPs we are creating there. For example, we've created something called Fair Play, where, because we've had such long relationships with companies, we have now been able to convince them that, um, um, degrees don't matter so why don't we create uh, skill based assessments with you and um, uh, we'll get people from Scalar even outside of Scalar to take those skill assessments but as long as people are clearing that assessment um, you don't ask for resume and we would not give you resume. We'd give you the skill assessment <laughs> profile and then you take the call on whether you want to interview this person or not which is truly unbiasing right like you're now, now not not saying that i only want to hire let's say a 20 year old versus i won't hire a 40 year old versus i i only want to consider people from a certain college etc like you don't get access to any of that and to be honest like companies are more than happy to so the only reason why they had been using degree as a proxy is because that's a filtering mechanism
0: hmm. there was no better way to uh, do that filtration
1: Exactly. Exactly. If you can give them a better way of filtering, which is like you're saying that, look, I mean, here are the things that are important for being successful at your job. And uh, this person has done it in a proctored setting, which makes, gives, makes, gives me confidence that this person is capable. Then you have no reason to say that I will only look at certain X, Y, Z degree. So um,
0: you, you don't uh, monetize from companies at all. Like even if they want to, and you're still doing that interview bit, uh... Pool like uh, helping those people
1: get connected to companies or, or is it only for the Scalar pool? Right now it is only Scalar pool um, and that has actually happened organically. Uh, given the, the higher focus has been to make sure that people in Scalar succeed, their entire team focus would anyhow go there. So even without saying that that has started happening and so we ended up formalizing it. Um, we don't charge companies right now because we believe uh, that the model that we were operating in even at interviewbit, unless it has a large value add as compared to the agency ecosystem, where the large value add is, look, I mean, I'm I'm so accurate with my recommendations that you probably end up hiring every single person that I recommend to you. Uh, If I reach that stage, then it makes sense to monetize because you're just adding immense amount of value. Uh, Before that, if I'm just another agency, then there is no differentiator that I have. And in that case, I mean, monetizing is only going to harm me in the short run. So right now we're in this phase where we are just collecting a lot of information and data and like figuring out what are the hiring patterns at different companies.
0: Right. Um, Okay. So working with companies helps you make a better course also because then you see what... Absolutely,
1: absolutely. In fact, that's the that's the entire idea of Fair Play. If you have these assessments, you see where your students, even before they go to the companies, you know, you see where your students are doing well versus not and hence like what needs to improve in the curriculum. So
0: Fair Play is a standalone well, web app or uh, is it within Scalar
1: or what? Like Right now it is within Scalar. At some point of time, we will make it standalone uh, open to all. But right now it is within Scalar because it ties any into the... Any company can journey. sign
0: up and use it to assess anybody, even if they're not a Scalar student. Like any student can be uh, screened. Uh, li- like any kind right. of uh, like tech hiring, companies can use that as a free tool for screening.
1: At this moment, any company can come and create assessments with us and roll it out to all students in Scalar as of this moment. Okay. 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 At some point of time, we'll make it so that it is accessible for anybody out there. But at this moment, it's- which
0: would become a lead gen engine for you then, no? Like if say yeah. Google starts hiring through this product, then it'd be like maybe tens of thousands of people who would, go through that assessment Not and, yeah. and that would be like yeah. a lead gen engine currently how do you do your lead gen like how do you do your customer acquisition
1: so currently it happens either through interview bit i mean a lot of people practicing on interview bit. maybe some of them struggling and that becomes a lead gen engine uh, we also do these master classes on the weekend where we we pick one um one one very interesting topic and we do a class on that um, which is just to show like how how good we teach that actually gives people confidence to enroll. And uh, um, then we have, you, you know, usual ad channels uh, that, that people go through. We actually for us, Google, reference, Facebook, right? Google Facebook. Yeah. For us, actually, referrals is a big channel. Uh, today, 30, 35 percent of our intake actually comes from referrals. People in the cohort referring their friends that please enroll. So, so referrals, interview, bit, masterclasses, those are the primary lead gen channels. And then like some bit of it is happening today through Google, Facebook. Uh, some bit of branding effort that we're doing also actually contributes to that. Um, and then, I mean, in education, to be honest, like just, just ad alone or lead gen alone is not enough. You, you have to generate trust. So for trust generation, then we do a bunch of things. For example, to anybody we we let them connect with alumni and have a very free flowing conversation with alumni just to figure out like with them unfiltered, you know, like what did they like versus what they did not like. Um, uh, The other thing, for example, that we do is um, I or me or Abhimanyu, one of us does a a free live class every day, um, which is just to talk about, look, I mean, here is what is important to succeed in tech, which is more of showing people the path. And here are free resources where you can go and, and learn. But if you if you want a structured the ecosystem, then come to scale. Uh, that's a class we do almost on a daily basis. Um, that is, again, another trust builder, like uh, uh, when you actually show them the breakdown. Uh, and then there are a few more efforts like that that we do, which, which helps build trust. So there's a lead gen part, there's a trust generation part, and then you have the final enrollments happening. Uh, does the conversion happen?
0: Like, is it like an online checkout or is it, does it happen over a call? Like, like do you have like an outbound sales team also? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. We do have an outbound sales team uh, primarily because the ticket size is higher. So, um, so a lot of people require help with financing. Um, so the outbound team actually helps them figure out like what are the right financing channels for them we have a bunch of tie ups so so they they connect them with those tie ups and 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 then the financing happens um also the outbound sales team actually also helps them answer certain questions that people have like people in general are at different stages of their lives so um they usually want to understand like like you know in my context is this relevant? a relevant so, mm-hmm. so it's
0: a those. big so, amount so uh, I think right. like at least in India we we want to talk before spending such a big amount mm. yes 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 mm-hmm. yes yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. so when are you unlocking the bigger market of freshers I think that is like a much much like like that will probably be 10x the size of what you're currently doing right like being able to right. uh, take someone who doesn't know coding at all and make him right. get a job at Google, like, you know, that achieving that would be like 10x value, right?
1: Right, right, right. So actually, uh, there's some pre-work happening there. I mean, so um, we still want to make sure that everything that is good about a university is still retained. For example, but we have done a great amount of work on community and peer-to-peer pe- peer learning. Uh, colleges are usually the first time when, you, when you're staying outside of your home in this in this hostel setup right and that's that's a that's a core part of your life where you create these really really good friends um, so right now we are in the phase of figuring out answers to some of those questions while we believe that degrees are relevant we still believe those relations are very relevant those net, that networking is very relevant right and And then while we have like sign offs from employers already that look, I mean, if you create this 18 month program, you have people coming after class 12, we have we are giving you a sign off. We don't require degrees. So we already have a lot of employers have signed off on that. But I mean, figuring out these pieces is important. So right now we're working on that Um, tentatively, maybe sometime around August or September next year is is where we are targeting. But that is not uh, given. This is such a long play. I mean, it's not written in stone yet. Uh, so, so we, I mean, it's going to happen very soon. Do you think, uh, like, you know, uh, the, the whole
0: move to metaverse is something I think that would also be a game changer for you, right? Because it actually then elevates you to a level playing field with the regular college experience.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, um, um, metaverse is going in a great direction. To be honest, I still feel for Metaverse to become really adopted by majority. It's still maybe a year or two out. It will eventually get there. Um, I'm thinking like five, ten years out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I've been following a lot of the news, etc. that is leaking about Metaverse. Uh, So so I'm just going by that. So maybe two years out. So, So it is headed in the right direction. It is doing all the right things. It's just like maybe it's just a matter of time. Um, but I mean, if we can't wait for two years, we'll not rely on metaverse, to be honest, we'll figure out certain alternative solutions. Hmm. But you uh, would which, again, build a metaverse version of Scalar, right? I mean,
0: that would be like, a again, another game changer, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I would say like it is completely dependent on uh, the objective and whether it is it is the best solution to achieve that objective. The objective is get people to like talk to each other a lot, have a lot of peer to peer learning happen, and have people graduate with you know like real friends in the ecosystem. Like essentially do what let's say an ISB does in those eleven months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if if metaverse is the best solution for that, we'll build a metaverse. But if there is something else that is a better solution for that, we'll build that. Um.
0: Uh, Are the tools in place to help you easily build uh, uh, like a metaverse university or do you have to do a lot of things from scratch right now? I mean, you know, like for building an e-commerce company, you have API based tools which can just help you stitch together stuff and not really worry about infrastructure. Is that in place yet or...
1: Uh, I, I mean, Metaverse is still a very relatively new ecosystem. So the tools, etc., if if there are to be built, we would have to build ourselves. Um, good thing is all of my, I mean, so I used to live in Facebook with two other uh, flatmates. One of them is currently uh, leading a large division within Oculus. So if we need support for that, we we have support for that. So uh, that being said, again, like uh, I, I, as I said, like initially, right, like as Metaverse is a tool, not the solution. Um, so whether that is the solution or not, that's a, that's a problem to be solved. Um, I'm not saying that Metaverse is the solution. Maybe there's a different solution. Uh, we will arrive at that and maybe, maybe in two, three months from now, I'm at the liberty of talking about that. But I mean, we, we would solve it before launching a university.
0: So uh, are you also looking to expand into other areas beyond tech or do you want to remain focused on tech education?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the short term answer is that we want to remain focused on tech education because we believe that the macro is going towards tech. Um, and and what is essentially happening is, and this is this has been happening for the last 10 years, um, is that everything is is moving to become tech focused. Um, Even the car industry, if you see, like car Tesla is now a car plus tech, and hence the largest car Car company. Car is secondary. Tech is first there. Yeah, tech is first, right? Um, What has COVID, in fact, done in the last two years is that every single industry in the world is now going or like realizing that there is no option but to go digital. Every single industry. What that means is that the what we're going to see in the next five years is that the demand for people who can do tech, people who can be, let's say, either a software engineer or a data scientist or some variation of tech is going to explode. Uh, there's a report by GitHub that says that there are going to be 50 million new tech jobs created in the next four or five years. If that is where the world is moving, you know, like every single job is going to have a functional element of tech then that's a large vertical to solve for. That's where the ecosystem can fail because we don't have enough people in tech right now. So hence the focus is going to be completely on tech. Um, And and, I mean, I have two life examples to actually quote. Um, I was in London for setting up the London thing uh, and there I would meet a bunch of people. Yeah, Facebook London. So in that duration, I saw two major changes. One was uh, this incident where... I would go and take up these metros which would which were called tubes in in six months i saw the ticket counters where there would be people sitting replaced by these vending machines Um, and i had a friend i met somebody there who was working in this oil company whose only job was to review these oil pipelines in the middle east and and identify if there is a leak happening because the oil leaks were very expensive uh, what he told me was that like, when he joined, there were about 100, 150 odd people doing the same thing in his office. Maybe there might be a lot more. Um, in just, again, a duration of a year, number of people working on the same thing was reduced to almost 10. But the remaining was taken up by a tech person uh, or more than <laughs> more than one tech person who would be building these systems that would identify the leaks and then flag it to the human person. That is where the world is moving, right? Like every single thing that is repeatable is being automated in certain sense. Um, And governments are recognizing that, too. Uh, Singapore has made coding education mandatory from class six onwards. Um, um, In fact, there is a there is most probably Indian government will also do so in some time if it has not already done so. so all every single government, in fact, like uh, Middle East has made it uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure what is the clause there, but Abu Dhabi government has said that if you come and set up a company here, uh, then the first few years, I think the first two years salary of your employees, we will pay. It's, it's if it's a tech company, it's a tech innovation company, then that's that's what would happen because every single country, every single ecosystem is now realizing that this is where the future is going to get built. It's not a fad, it is actually happening at scale. It is happening. So if that is the problem statement to be solved, like, that's a large enough area to be focused on. And the good thing is like it's not dependent on a region. It is truly global. If you create really good software engineers, that software engineer could very well be working on a problem statement in the US sitting here. So, so if you can solve the problem of talent in tech, that is a fairly, fairly big opportunity to crack.
0: And and currently, I think the, the talent in tech problem is massive. Like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. companies typically have to like maybe offer 10 people to eventually have two people joining them. And uh, so w- w- what type of uh, roles can companies look to Scalar for in terms
1: of filling their hiring needs? Um, mostly all kinds of tech roles. I mean, so we have people who join the cohort who have experiences from one year to 21 years. So we people, we had people graduate who had gone and joined as VP or a CTO in certain companies. Uh, we had people graduate who are now architects in certain companies. And then there are people who, who go and join as SD1s, SD2s, SD3s, uh, now, obviously, on the more senior roles, there is there is more targeted approach. I mean, the fair play kind of thing does not work on senior roles. The fair play kind of thing works more on the junior slash mid level roles. Um, so, the, the the numbers would be higher on on let's say an SD one or SD two kind of roles. The volume would be lower on on let's say a little more senior roles. Uh, hmm and and it's a self sign up
0: like uh, any employer who wants to hire can sign up and list a job and yeah yeah, yeah get yeah. applications right okay yeah, yes yes mm-hmm. okay cool, amazing okay, so my last question to you what kind of revenue are you currently doing like what do you expect to end this year at and
1: yeah, yeah. So actually, um, we track the revenue run rate, um, and, and this is actually maybe revenue run rate is a wrong terminology. It's a bookings run rate. Essentially, our bookings sort of increase month over month. I mean, we we look at like what is the current monthly booking run rate, and then we multiply that by twelve to get an annualized booking okay. run rate. Okay, okay, okay. Got it. Hmm. So currently, we are at about forty-five million dollars uh, booking run rate analyzed and we expect to cross 100 before june uh next year
0: amazing um, and this is before us launch or you are incorporating some assumptions of us launch in this
1: uh no so this is without the us launch this is india india launch okay um, okay us will will give us further boost
0: right and so you could probably be like at 200 million like say uh, maybe 18 months or so from now like considering that us numbers will be much bigger
1: yeah 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 hopefully yes fingers wow. crossed
0: <laughs> amazing amazing okay awesome uh, how does that compare to other tech companies what like how much do these more famous tech names do in terms of revenue do you have any idea like
1: yeah i mean so uh, i only know from what has been released in pr um i mean baidu is obviously really really huge they they do about almost a billion dollars in revenue every year um um, academy, again, just from going by what has been released in the PR, probably does about uh, $150 to $200 million uh, in revenue every year. Um, Upgrad does about $100 million or so uh, in revenues every year. Um, those are the largest players that I know of. Um, and then there are a lot of smaller players that probably do closer to $1 million, $2 million, $3 million kind of a run rate uh, in a year. Mm
0: -hmm. So you would probably be like in the top two in say 18 to 24 months time, I guess, like top two, three at least.
1: Uh, We hope so. (laughs) We definitely hope hope so. I mean, but like for us as well, to be honest, like this is is a play and both me and Abhimanyu are very clear on that. This is not really a a play for the next two years, three years. Uh, We believe that we are solving a very large problem and for that... It is okay if we solve that problem completely in a ten-year time frame as well. We, I mean, for us, the question is: Can this become a hundred-billion-dollar company in ten years from now? Um, Now, the path through that might be that we become, let's say, a two-hundred-million-dollar revenue company in two years, and maybe then a billion-dollar revenue company in four years, et cetera, et cetera. Like that could be the path. Um, So that we are less concerned about. I mean, I would. I would all, uh, in all decisions that we take today might not lead to immediate revenues at this moment. In fact, some decisions might be counterproductive to revenues because they are the right thing for the audience, like not monetizing companies. Yeah. Not like not monetizing companies. Correct. Um, but like they will eventually get us 10 years down the line to where we want to be. Right? So, so that's the, that's the lens with which we look at things. Um,
0: and you have investors who have that patience to see you through that journey as
1: well yeah we're very lucky to have investors like that um uh, except for one <laughs> but, <like> we, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah i mean we're we very lucky to have very long-term investors with a very long-term lens on on things uh, uh, in fact like uh, all of our investors are very very clear that Uh, You have to make companies that outlast us. You have to make companies that, that outlast the founders. Uh, in their lifetimes. So so create companies for the long term. It's okay to take decisions that impacts revenue in the short term with that lens.
0: I'm looking forward to Scalarverse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am I am too. I am too. This episode of Founder Thesis Podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com. Thank